0: Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's sports, Jack.
2: Sport Jack.
0: It's
2: sports, Jack. Episode 195, as we record on this Friday,
1: and hello to you, Corey Man. This is Chuck Freebie, and this is the episode that we dedicate to the palindromically named Toby Hara. Toby Hara, the former. Rangers and Indians infielder who belted 195 home runs in his big league career, you could spell his name the same forward and backward, Hera, Toby Hera.
0: <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation well, the going wild. in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents oh Sportsiac. Oh One host knows sports, and who's right there. The other doesn't know sports, but Somehow, they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Good! It's good! It's good. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever!
2: I felt uh, a, a heart moment of watching Ryan Newman walk out of the hospital with his daughters. You know,
1: we talked about this extensively in the last episode, and our concerns When we recorded the last episode, it was, what, about 9.15 a.m. on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And by noon, 1 o'clock, somewhere in there, they're posting the video. His wife, whom he is separated from but still cares about him, obviously, uh, was there at the hospital and took the video of Ryan walking out with his two daughters hand in hand. Just a a beautiful picture. Uh, This was tweeted out by a Chrissy, and then also by Roush Fenway Racing, and it it still is stunning, absolutely stunning to me that after that wreck on Monday night, really less than forty eight hours later, he walks out of that hospital seemingly unscathed. Now there's there's a couple things there. If if you look really closely at his arms, they're they're banged up. They they've got bruises and abrasions. Uh, he's got pretty good bump on his forehead, and he walked out in his stocking feet, which um, I don't know if that's because he's got some burns, some cuts on his feet. I- I'm not exactly
2: sure what that was about, but it's noticeable. And, Maybe he didn't have any shoes. No. Well, You know, and the melee of everything, and maybe Chrissy, wow, I forgot to bring this guy a pair of shoes. It
1: could be as simple as that, too. We might be reading too much into it. Yeah. Uh, But whatever the case, he's not behind the wheel this weekend. Ross Mm -hmm. Chastain has taken his place in in the sixth car, and there's no timetable as to when he returns. And I think for Ryan, uh, that's going to be as much mental as physical, although I've seen pictures of him with... Another race car driver, Martin Truex Jr., sitting around, joking around. Uh, that's the word we got from the hospital, was that on Tuesday evening he was walking around joking with nurses. So Texting and joking with LaJoy, of all people. Corey LaJoy, yeah, who, who was the one who slammed him after he came upside down back onto the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, through, through nothing of Corey's fault, I mean, all of a sudden this car drops from the sky right in front of you. There's nothing he could do. So, it's still, it's a miracle. I I can't think of any other word to describe it, Corey, other than a miracle. And, you know, you and I are both people of faith, and I just can't help but think of all those prayers that went up for him Mm -hmm. immediately, and I have to think that they did some good.
2: I also uh, would point to, not to over-spiritualize it, but I hope Ryan has a sense of my time on this planet is not over yet when something like that happens that's a pretty emotional sure week of wow i've i've got some time left and maybe that's a an awakening of some sort for him
1: but on the other hand and and this is me basically saying i don't know which way he's going to go on this right but i will say that he's a race car driver that's what he has been Born to do, that's what he has done all of his life. And I realize he's 42 years old, and and every driver has a point where they say, okay, that's enough, I'm moving on. I don't know if now is that time for Ryan Newman, or he feels like I get, get back behind the wheel to prove myself, or I still enjoy doing this. There's no, I walked away unscathed. And again, give NASCAR credit, too, because of the safety modifications that they've made, especially in the last 20 years. That's a big part of why he's alive now, too.
2: Yeah, that's good stuff. Good for him. We'll keep an eye on that. It's, um. There's a lot to take in there, even, even being on the sidelines watching him, just like the time you're given when something like that happens and walking away like that and, yeah, it's good stuff, real good stuff. Why don't we talk about what happened last night? We'll take care of all that, and then we'll move forward into the tonight into the weekend. Okay.
1: College basketball last night, the long ordeal for the Notre Dame women continues as they lose to Virginia Tech at Purcell Pavilion by account of 68-62. Caitlin Gilbert had a miserable night shooting the basketball. She was 2 out of 16. Uh, understood she played with flu-like symptoms. And the Irish are just down to so few bodies that if you at all can go, no matter how badly you're playing, you're going to go. Uh, Sam Brunel played close to all 40 minutes. Destiny Walker plays close to all 40 minutes. Muffet just can't afford to take bodies off the court. and It still didn't help. They were down by 22 early in the fourth quarter. Fought back, made it a six-point game, but I know that is not going to please Muffet, and it's Shouldn't be the standard that this team is held to either. They're ten and seventeen now. They're they're not going anywhere in the postseason, and I think Muffet's fine with that. I think I get the feeling Muffet is of the mindset: yes, she wants to win every game she can, but she will not weep one tear whatsoever when this season ends because it has been such an ordeal for this team.
2: But it's been a long time since she's seen a record like ten and seventeen. Nineteen ninety two was the last time she had a losing record. When you get used to winning like that, it's you know that's a tough that's a tough one to swallow. But she's highly competitive and recruiting. It's not like the program stopped. No, no, and and she's word is she has
1: another good recruiting class coming in. But she's going to have a lot of freshmen and sophomores next year, and and that's tough to compete with.
2: This might be hard to do, but let's go into a living room with Muffet on this. I mean, being able to say to a player, "Is that an attractive look?" You're going to get to play pretty quick here because of. Oh, that's awfully
1: attractive to players. Yeah, that, the player that Muffet is recruiting to come to the University of Notre Dame. Number one, you're talking. You're talking about the same things the football program talks about in the four four forty. Uh, program you you come here for four years it benefits you for forty, okay, so you're you're laying that out there, you're you're finding players who want to mix the academics with the athletics, unlike men's basketball where you have players that come in and they're some of them the best players are probably going to be one and done, and beginning next year the best players aren't even going to come to college, they can go straight to the NBA. So you don't have that in women's basketball. The best players aren't going straight to the WNBA because, quite frankly, the money isn't attractive enough to make it that way. So the best players are coming to the college game. And unlike the men's game, there are still only probably about eight schools that can really win the national title. Whereas in the men's game this year, there might be 30. Mm -hmm. So... And Notre Dame isn't one of those schools this year, but for the last two decades, it has been one of those schools. Yes. So from you, from that standpoint, she has incredible advantages going into a home. In fact, the, I think the only disadvantage, there's two disadvantages she has right now. The, how tough the university is. And the second thing is. You mean scholastically? Scholastically. Okay. And the second thing would be, I'm sure she's getting to the point where people are going to say, are you going to be there for all four years of my daughter's career?
2: Mm, Okay.
1: And that's something that she hasn't really had to deal with before. But let's face it, we all get to some point in our career where it's a legitimate question. Okay. Next? Well... Next, we go into the weekend of college basketball, and we'll start with the games that we're airing here on 103.1 FM, and one of them is Purdue and Michigan tomorrow at the Big House uh, up at Chrysler Arena. Shouldn't call it the Big House because that's the football stadium. Michigan has improved its play dramatically uh, since they got Livers and Simpson back, and they play very well at home. Purdue has really struggled on the road. I honestly don't think Matt Painter's team is going to the NCAA tournament. I would have thought differently two weeks ago, but they've lost three straight. They're capable of pulling themselves out of this tailspin. I just don't see it happening tomorrow up in Ann Arbor. Meanwhile, IU coming off a huge road win at Minnesota the other night. I don't know if Archie Miller listens to the Yak, but I think the message got across pretty clearly on Wednesday's Yak you got to get the ball into the hands of Trace Jackson Davis on offense. And they did. 27 points, 16 rebounds. Hoosiers beat the Gophers on the road. Huge road win. Helps their NCAA hopes. And now they come home to play a ranked Penn State team. I mean, this is a golden opportunity for the Hoosiers to to put something in the bank that will really help them come March. So that's on Sunday on 103.1 FM. Also on Sunday... Mike Bray's team uh, returns to the floor at Purcell Pavilion and they will take on the Miami Hurricanes a team that's been in disarray this year Uh, this is another opportunity, this is not going to be a win that is going to help the Irish in terms of their NCAA hopes but a loss would certainly hurt them and they have a few of these games left on the schedule. To me, Corey the only win that will really help them in terms of maybe making the NCAA tournament, and I don't even think they're a bubble team right now, but a win that could vault them into possibly getting in there would be if they beat Florida
2: State. That's it. That's that's their last hope. You know, when you talk about Muffet and that question that she's now hearing about, are you going to be here for my daughter's four years, I glanced at the newspaper this morning. I mm-hmm. usually hand it to you. I glanced at it, and they did kind of a mailbag of write-in questions. And the one that caught my eye was, Bray seems a little burnt this season. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's dealing with those questions as well out on the recruiting road. I think
1: the biggest question Mike Bray has to ask himself at the end of the season, and it will not be coming from Jack Swarbrick. It'll be coming from Mike Bray himself. Do I still have the juice and The energy to coach this team going forward. Do I still enjoy it? Do I still like it? Tom Noy brought up uh, yesterday on another radio show that you know Mike's been through a lot of changes in his career, going from the Big East and all of the changes that occurred in that league, coming into the ACC, redefining the culture of his team, seeing his team really excel in 2014, 2015, and now kind of seeing this this trickle downwards after that. And the question is, at the age of 60, having been here for 20 years, does Mike Bray still have the fire burning inside of him? And the only person who can answer that question is Mike Bray, and he'll be the only one asking that question. Jack Swarbrick is not going to touch Mike Bray. He's not gonna, he's not going to fire him. Anybody who thinks that's the case is dead wrong. But Mike Bray might just say, "You know, that's enough."
2: Because of that, because of a love for Mike Bray, he just fits the the school, the program. He's an ambassador of the school. Yeah, I mean, he's been here
1: for twenty years. Mm-hmm. He's he's beloved by his players. Uh, there, you can't find really anybody who comes through the program who has anything negative to say about Mike Bray.
2: Wins aren't that big a deal to the university when it comes to basketball? Well,
1: you know, i I have a different perspective than some. I look at all the empty seats in Purcell Pavilion. I look at kind of the disinterest in the program. And I think you could come and say, we need to make a change. On the other hand, the question you would have to ask yourself is, okay, if we make a change, who are we going to go get to come into this situation? Because at Notre Dame, let's face it, men's basketball bats a distant second to football. And you have to get a coach who understands that. And, obviously, there are some places that have that. Most of those places don't do really well in college basketball. So, again, all right, well, who are we going to get that's better than what we have now?
2: Hmm, okay. Something to think about.
1: You know, you look at the blue bloods of college basketball. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky football, eh, North Carolina. North Carolina football? Nobody talks. Kansas? Come on. So, if you're trying... Duke? I mean, David Cutcliffe's had some nice years down at Duke, but... When you think of Duke, you do not think of football. No. Mm -hmm. No. So, there aren't that many places where both really thrive. Mm -hmm. Michigan has had some decent years Ohio State has had some decent years but Florida State they're not they're not known for basketball mm-hmm.
2: Michigan I mean, State
1: not well is that, or is that I, the flip I think that's the flip I don't think Michigan State football is regarded like Michigan State basketball is Wisconsin Indi- well Indiana Indiana basketball is not viewed like Indiana Football what has what Wisconsin done in basketball that would bear noting? I'm just naming names. Yeah, you I, 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 I know you are, but I'm just saying out loud, I mean, Wisconsin basketball is not something where you say, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're mm-hmm. paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. So I I think you have to get a coach that's going to understand their place in the pecking order, and a coach that understands their place in the pecking order Might not necessarily do as well as Mike has. Okay. High school basketball tonight on TV46.
2: I was listening to your sports this morning, and I
1: thought, man, you
2: are a busy dude this weekend. Got three games in less than 24 hours. Do you thrive on that? Are you stressed out at all, or are you enjoying the ride? Am I stressed out?
1: The only stress is stress that I put on myself in terms of preparation. Sure. Because there's... There's so much that I want to convey to the viewer about these games, yes, but you don't want to overwhelm the game if the game is great, then let I'm the not going play, then let the game play mm-hmm.
2: it, but you're also I'll speak on your behalf, and I know you'd love when I do that. you're not a <laughs> flick the switch on and oh we're covering this game tonight as well you've done the homework you've done the research yeah and you're providing the salt and pepper to a great meal
1: right the the hay is in the barn so to speak the research has been done monday through thursday Mm -hmm. i've talked to all the coaches or at least had email contact with all the coaches that we're going to carry this week uh i've talked to the out of town ones for the the semi-state on the phone. I've gone to see the girls' coaches locally Northwood and Pitt. Well, give us so,
2: a nice big preview. All
1: right, well, let's start with the boys' game tonight. You've got Adams and Riley. Great city rivalry. They'll have a really good crowd. Maybe a full house over at, at the south side. At Riley. at Riley. Riley has a player by the name of Blake Wesley who is a, a major D1 recruit. I'm talking IU, Purdue, Notre Dame, Texas. I mean, he's getting...
2: He, he hasn't said where?
1: Has not said where. He's only a junior. Oh, okay.
2: But now's about the time for a player like that to probably say something? Well,
1: I mean, there's, a, jun- there's a junior at St. Joe who is already committed to Notre Dame, J.R. You, I would expect that Blake Wesley will make his decision sometime in the off season. but I don't know that for certain. Okay. So, and he averages 27 points a game. He had 35 points and 16 rebounds the other night over at Michigan City. Now, I'm not trying to rip on the other Riley players, but Riley's 11-9. and nine. And honestly, other than Blake Wesley, you really don't game plan for any of the other Riley players. Meanwhile, Adams rolls into this game with a record of 18-3. and three. They've been ranked in the top 10 at times this year. They're just outside of it right now. Chad Johnston has done a whale of a job. This team is undefeated in the Northern Indiana Conference. And, Corey, they're primarily juniors. They're almost all coming back next year. So this could be, this could be a little bit of a, a South Bend dynasty. However, doesn't mean they necessarily have this one in the bank. And it's a big game over at Riley. they got to go on the road. They have to prove themselves tonight. And they're in a really tough sectional. Sectional draw is Sunday for the boys. They're in a sectional with Culver Academy, who's ranked in the top 10, and Michigan City, who's already beaten them this year. So there's nothing given for this Adams team that you're going to see tonight on 46. It is not the best of weekends for high school boys basketball. Some of the other games tonight, John Glenn and Mishawaka, they both have winning records, but that's not something that necessarily moves the needle. Um... Westview at Goshen. The big thing about that game is Westview coach Robbie Oder is going for his 300th win. The girls' games this weekend. These are two really good semi-state matchups. In 3A, which you can watch on YouTube tomorrow afternoon at one, and then on TV 46 tomorrow night at seven, we have Benton Central and Northwood. Benton Central's way over on the western edge of the state, a uh, little bit. Southwest of Lafayette. And they are 26-3. and three. They're not a real big team. Their tallest player is Audrey Strasman at 5'10". Uh, but they are quick. They force about 24 turnovers a game. And they'll come at you with pressure for 32 minutes. They score about 64 points a game. Northwood is 26-3. and three, And they're built around defense. They hold teams to about 37 points a game. So right there, something tells you. Something has to give. And I really think that middle ground between 37 and 64, right around 48-49, is kind of the tipping point for this game. If Northwood can hold Benton Central to 48-49 or below, Northwood probably wins the game. If Benton Central gets above 49 and can dictate the tempo a little bit, Benton Central probably wins the game. Northwood does have one thing that Benton Central doesn't have, and that's size. They've got two big girls down low, Kate Rooley and Maddie Payne. Both average about 13 points a game. And if they can get the ball down on the post, they can do some damage. The problem will be for Northwood getting the ball to the post against the pressure of Benton Central. So we'll see how that plays out. That's the 3A game. The 4A game is an oh-my-goodness kind of game. You got Penn ranked number six. 27-2. 27-2. and two. They've got the reigning MVP of the Northern Indiana Conference, Trinity Clinton. They have another D1 player in Caitlin Costner, and they have the number one three-point shooter in the state of Indiana in Reg Ampate. And they are a double-digit underdog to the undefeated and top-ranked Northwestern Tigers, who, Corey, I said yesterday in our social media preview, and I meant it, they might be the best girls team ever assembled in the state of Indiana. They have two Big Ten D1 recruits. The coach's daughter is Madison Layden. She is in the top 20 all-time in scorers in the state of Indiana. Not only has she accumulated over 2,300 points in her career, she has over 1,000 rebounds, over 700 assists, and over 500 steals. She has had over 100 In those last three categories, in every year of her prep career, Mm. she may be the leading candidate for Miss Basketball this year. And she doesn't just, she's headed to Purdue, and she doesn't just play basketball. Of the 11 sectionals that she has been a part of in her high school athletic career, volleyball, basketball, and tennis, she's won (laughs) 10. And she has a teammate by the name of Kendall Bostick. Kendall Bostick is headed to Michigan State. Kendall Bostick needs just 12 points to get to the 2,000-point mark for her career. So those are the two that you focus on, but then they have a guard, Claire Merrill, who's going to Indiana Wesleyan. They have another player who's a softball player at Butler. I mean, they are just loaded with athletic talent. Last year, they are the two-time Three A state champions because of the success factor, they've moved up to four A, mm-hmm. and as you can tell, it's really slowed them down because they're twenty eight. 0 they won their regional by an average of thirty two points.
2: Where's but this school at again?
1: It's just north. It's Northwestern Howard County. It's northwest of Kokomo. Oh, okay. Um, they're just they're a juggernaut, and this. This would be a major upset if Penn were to beat them. What time's that at? That's at four o'clock on YouTube and Facebook, nine p.m. on TV forty-six.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, their coach Kathy Layden has five state championships. That's second in Indiana girls basketball history. And I'll share one other fun fact with you kids here on the yak. The Laydens were in a Hamburger Helper commercial in 2007 <laughs> apparently they put out a little casting call around a four state area and they selected Kathy who at that time was a three time state champion coach at Tri-Central and her family so you see the girls in this commercial well the girls in this commercial are the ones you're going to see her daughters playing in this game tomorrow
2: are you using that for your broadcast? Do you show uh, it? the quality of
1: the youtube video isn't the greatest so probably not but uh good story yeah yeah hamburger helper (laughs) hamburger helper so i don't know if they got a lifetime supply i was
2: gonna say do they get boxes and boxes
1: maybe they got sent the actual glove that they use Kathy told me it took them two days to film the commercial wow yeah so it was uh it was a pretty wild experience and those games are played at Laporte High School. Okay. So um if you're a ba- if you're just a basketball fan, that'd be a good place to be tomorrow afternoon. Okay. So that's the high school weekend. Oh, by the way, congratulations to a couple of our Michigan girls teams who clinched division titles last night. Brandywine is undefeated. Josh Hood doing another solid job up there with the Bobcats. They clinched the BCS. Uh, conference Division title last night with a 73-38 win over Buchanan and Edwardsburg wins the Wolverine Conference South Division uh, they're ranked number 6 in Division 2 and the Eddies blitzed Vicksburg last night 62-27 to so there are some strong girls teams in our southwest Michigan area the Michigan girls basketball tournament doesn't start for a couple of weeks Okay, Baseball Let's talk a little bit about baseball because there's, there's something brewing in Cubs camp. David Ross has announced that his leadoff hitter for the 2020 season will be Chris Bryant. Now remember, Chris Bryant was almost dealt from this team. He was almost sent pedaling, And now David Ross has basically said, I want my best hitter hitting leadoff. And that's Chris Bryant. Now, there's a couple of ways of looking at this. Number one, the Cubs had a terrible on-base percentage last year, and they have really had a problem since 2016 with finding a leadoff hitter. Remember, Dexter Fowler was that guy for the 2016 team. Joe Madden used to tell him, you go, we go. And that was the case. Dexter Fowler was the spark to that team. Uh, Dexter Fowler has gone to St. Louis, and the Cubs really haven't had a quality leadoff man since he left. And it's been a problem for this lineup. They The Cubs had too many games last year with the bats that they have in that lineup. They had too many games where they scored in binary code, zero or one. And can't have that. So David Ross comes in. He has announced that he wants Chris Bryant to be his leadoff hitter. That feels like
2: it's sending a message to fans and the team. This is our guy. It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And here's the other thing.
1: You know, you guys like Bryant and Rizzo typically are not paid for getting on base. They're paid for hitting home runs and driving in runs. But if you look at the Cub lineup, you still have to have guys in front of them getting on base for them to drive in runs. And... Nobody was doing that last year. So why bat him 3-4? Why not bat him 1-2? And then see what you can do from there. Uh, so it's Bryant-Rizzo? That's the way it could be right now, especially if you want to go righty-lefty mm-hmm. down your lineup, which some guys do because it forces, especially with the new rules where a, a bullpen pitcher will have to come in and face three batters if he starts an inning.
2: Does that start this season? Yes.
1: Yes. Um, you know, you you're trying to take advantage of of matchups, and I could certainly see Bryant and Rizzo hitting one two. The question will be, well, how far down the lineup do you get on the Cubs before you're like,
2: eh. that's interesting. Your thought? Have we even talked about the three three hitters, the three uh, the pitcher? You got to go through three. Th- have we
1: talked about that? We've talked about that a little bit. Now there are some codicils that change that, so. Let's say your starting pitcher, you take him out with two outs in the inning and you bring in a guy from the bullpen. Well, he only has to get the third out. Basically, if the inning ends, that three-batter rule does not apply.
2: Okay. He doesn't come back for the next He inning. doesn't okay. have to
1: come back for the okay. next inning for the next two batters.
2: So we'll probably see a lot of that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you're going to see ways of getting around it. Mm-hmm. But it's basically if you bring in a reliever to start an inning, then he's going to have to face three batters.
2: Uh, Notre Dame Hockey is in Michigan?
1: Yeah, big series for the Irish. They are right now sixth in the Big Ten race. Michigan is not having that good a year. Uh, they They are a team that Notre Dame can and maybe should be able to beat even in their own building, although Yost Arena is always a tough place to play. Jeff Jackson's team has struggled offensively this year, and we'll see if they can... Put something together. They had a golden opportunity last weekend against Minnesota and only got one point out of the weekend. Hmm. So they've got to to find their mojo a little bit because right now I'm not sure if Notre Dame's an NCAA tournament team or not. It has been a, a really tough winter over on campus this year.
2: And Notre Dame baseballs in San Antonio.
1: Yeah, they were rained out last night. They're supposed to play Incarnate Word tonight. Link Jarrett's team won two out of three in its opening series of the weekend at UAB. Uh, they're in a tournament down in San Antonio this weekend, so we'll see how the Irish can fare down there. That feels like a wrap. It does. Anything going on pop culture-wise this weekend? Seems pretty quiet out there.
2: Well, the big thing if you have Amazon Prime. I do. And you do and I do. I did not know this, and shame on me for not paying attention in history class, but there were people of the Nazi persuasion that came to America and basically hid. Yes. And so there's this new show based on true events with Al Pacino called Hunters that kicks off today. And I am in. Okay. I can't wait to see this thing. I'm hoping they knock the ball out of the park. Movie-wise, eh, there's nothing really. Right. Well, We're in that weird part of the year where it's like, bring on the James Bond, but we've got a couple months yet. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Just need that little update. Yeah.
1: Just make, a little. Sure, make sure I'm aware of what's going on in
2: the pop culture world aware? because you I'm usually aware. not. You're busy. You're doing things. I'm usually not aware. I'll, I'll give you either a thumbs up or a thumbs down at least on episode one on Monday's episode. I'll look forward to that. How about that? Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe. Wow. Let's try that again. Well, That's why we have the edit button. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. In fact, leave a review. That's always helpful as well. The more reviews, sometimes we move up on the sports podcast uh, list, if you will. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. You can follow Chuck on Twitter as well. At 46 Sports. You hit the subscribe button, by the way, on the 46 Sports YouTube channel. It pops up. So you know that he's going live with those games, especially three of them this weekend. Yeah, that'll be handy to have. Until next time, Yak fans. ooga Toby Hera. We've had some fun, yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta
0: run, it's Sports Jack. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. <laughs> Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com.